Whoa, your place. Why are we whispering? Don't wake the baby. We're sleep training. I opened up the good stuff from Italy. To reconnecting with old friends. No clinking, the baby. Can he really hear glass clinking? he wakes up. <laughs> well, there are so many reasons in our lives to not rest well. Of course, one of them is children for sure. Um, but I just first want to welcome you to part three of our series called Rest and hoping in this series that we are going to help you or continue to help you understand why you need to rest more, what gets in the way of you resting well, and therefore what you need to change to get there. And in a series at Infused Church, especially if you're new around here, we do series uh, regularly. Um, and it's kind of like one big movie, it's really one topic that we explore for a handful of weeks. And so today, since we're in part three, we're kind of on the tail end of the movie. And so if you've missed out on the first half of the movie, that's totally okay. You can watch or listen on our Infused Church app that you can get from your app store or on our website, infused.church slash messages. Um, so you can catch up there. Now, today I want to begin with a story, and it is a, uh, a story that kind of sets us up for today's topic. Uh, it's a story that involves two places that you actually know of or have heard at least heard of. Uh, you may, be, may not be terribly familiar with them, um, but uh, these are two cities, um, two places that uh, really began from two different motives, two different purposes, essentially. And um, both of these cities uh, started at about the same time. Uh, they both started with the same uh, natural resources at their disposal. They were both connected to the world by an ocean. Um, and so, in fact, the same ocean, the same continent. Uh, they really started in the same places. Um, they both had the same things kind of going for them, uh, but they were started with two different ends in mind, two different purposes, two different motives. And the first city, um, the reason that it began was uh, because a group of people wanted freedom. Specifically, they wanted religious freedom. And so they left where they were currently living and came to this new place and began a new city. And the whole hope with this new city is that they could worship how they so choose. They could worship freely. The second city um, was started not by a group of people, but by a company. It was started by one of the most influential and powerful companies on the face of the earth at that time. And the whole goal of this particular city was to work hard and make lots and lots of money. And then over a course of about 400 years, they grew and they changed. And today they look very different. And I think personally, uh, you can you know, come to your own conclusion, but I think part of the reason that they look different is because of why they started, the motivation for starting, okay? Here is a picture of the first city. Um, that's a picture of it. Uh, you, you may not recognize it. Um, it was started on the basis of religious freedom. It's a fairly quaint, calm uh, population of 60,000 people. Um, and it is the city of Plymouth, 
Massachusetts. Uh, and I'm sure all of you online have visited or dreamed to visit Plymouth, Massachusetts, but you may know it a bit more by the story of the Mayflower and Plymouth Rock, but that is Plymouth, Massachusetts, founded on the idea of religious freedom. The second city was started, again, if you remember, from the idea, the purpose of hard work and making money, and is, maybe some of you guessed it, it is the city of New York City. Grand, bustling, population 8.4 million people, New York City. Now, if you had to ask yourself, which of these two cities was successful, what would you say? Well, most of you would probably say, well, both, just in their own way. But, but answer me this, which one of these cities is seen around the world as a symbol of freedom, is a symbol of capitalism, is a symbol of America? Was it the city that uh, provided religious freedoms for the oppressed people in, in Britain under their um, monarch? Or was it the city founded by money? It's the city that's founded by money, of course. It's New York City. It is known around the world as a place to grow, uh, get a new beginning, and, and make a name for yourself. Now, the reason I tell you this story about these two cities is because I think there's part of us. I think there's a part of you, and I think there's a part of me that we want to be seen by others, not as a Plymouth, Massachusetts, but we want to be seen by others as a New York City. We want to be seen by the world as a New York City. We want to be seen as significant. We want to be seen as that we have it kind of all together, maybe a little grand, if you will, well off growing, developing, desirable. We want to look like New York City. We want to buy things like New York City people would, right? I mean, it even says it on the label, made in New York City. We want a career and a future that looks like New York City, don't we? And I realize you could say, well, Taylor, I'm actually prefer to be an Iowa person. I, I don't mind small and quaint cities. And I totally get that. I, I get that that's what you like. And in fact, I like that too. Stephanie and I knew we would always move back from the West Coast to Iowa because that was just more what we were comfortable with. And I get that. But I think there's still a part of your heart and part of my heart that we want the New York City feel, even though we may live in a quieter part of the world. We want to have the same qualities. We want to have it all together. We want to be in charge. We want to be respected by others. We want to be in the know like you do if you live in New York City. Because I don't know about you, but I've never met anyone aspiring to live in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Nothing against those that live in Plymouth, Massachusetts. In fact, I've never met anybody that if they had a choice of where to visit Plymouth Rock and the Mayflower, a replica of the Mayflower, or Times Square, they chose the Mayflower and Plymouth Rock. Now, maybe you know some people. You can put it on the chat or email me that I'm totally wrong, but I have a feeling most of us, if we got a free vacation somewhere, we choose New York City. We would choose the fame and the, the bustle and the grandeur of that city. And I think we choose that in our own lives as well. But there is a catch, shocker. There is a cost, I would say. There is a dark side to the city that never sleeps. And that is, in the city that never sleeps, <laughs> they don't rest well. They don't rest well. 
I mean, think about this. Both of these cities started in the same place, both started on the East Coast, both had harbors to the world, both founded at similar times, but they differed in their purpose. They differed in their motivation and they became to look different. One became known as the city that never sleeps. And I think we fall to that same trap, that same trap that built New York City that, that says we have to be motivated by work and money and success and more of whatever it is, and to be known, and all those things. We see ourselves as successful when in those areas we have grown, we have gotten better. Then we see ourselves as being significant and desirable and having purpose and meaning in our lives. We desire that New York City feel no matter where we live. But the catch is there that we never sleep. In fact, uh, a guy uh, named Ben Nugent uh, wrote an opinion article, and it went in the New York Times back in 2013, uh, and he talked about his experience coming to work in New York City. And this idea, you know, that he came to make a difference, and, and he really wanted to make a name for himself and to have his work be known, but he realized something, and I think this quote is so powerful, so profound that, that I wanted to pull it out of this article and, sh and read it to you. It's very simple. It said, the quality of my work became the measure of my worth. The quality of my work became the measure of my worth. In other words, the people around me, my coworkers and my friends, and I think even a little bit to Ben himself, began to see their value in the world, began to see his value in the world only by the work that he did. And if he stopped, if he stopped for a second to rest, if he stopped for a second to sleep or take some time off, then his worth was gone because his worth was tied to his work. I remember um, leaving the Boeing company uh, a number of years ago uh, when I transitioned into full-time ministry. And I remember so clearly my last day of work driving out of the complex of buildings that I worked in. And at every Boeing location, there's always a security gate and security guard. And when you leave the company, you take your badge, which is a really significant thing because that badge gets you into pretty much every location of all Boeing locations. You can see big airplanes getting built. You can go walk these giant airplanes being built um, with this badge. The only place you can't go is where um, there's top secret information kept. And I remember clearly driving up to the gate, handing the, uh, the, the, the guard my badge, and he just said, have a good day. <laughs> and I thought to myself, so no thank you for years of service? Nope. No calls from coworkers, in fact, never got followed up from a coworker. Work, I realized, at least in that culture, in that place that I was, work had everything to do with my worth. And because I didn't work there anymore, my worth was gone. And work for you may not be a career. Work for you may not be a, a specific job with a job title and a W-2 and income and all that good stuff. Work for you may be different. You may have a job, but your work really in life, what you have taken on is your work has been your children. It's been or become your body. 
uh, maybe a hobby that you have or your bank account balance or retirement or being known by other people and friends. And without those things, a combination of those things or one in particular, without that, you would begin to feel worth less. So how is this all tied into rest? Well, I'm glad you asked. You always ask what some of the best questions online. It's tied into rest because it is really hard to rest when your worth is on the line. It's difficult to take time for rest when for you, that your work equates to your worth. Because to do less work means to be worth less. If you do less of the things that have become your work, your purpose, your drive in life, you feel value less. It makes taking a break, it makes taking days off less valued in your own heart and mind. It's difficult for you to look at yourself in the mirror, I think, to some extent. Sometimes we even think that because we work less, then in the eyes of the people around us, our family, our friends, our coworkers, they value us less. True or not, that's just what we have come to believe because our work, that thing that has become our work or things that have become our work equate to our worth. So therefore, you don't take time off. You don't take breaks. You don't uh, lighten the load of your schedule and adjust things in what you do every day. You don't strive for a good tension between rest and work. Instead, you tell everybody else how hard you work, whether it's true or not. You tell everybody how hard you work and you tell everybody what a big deal you are in whatever area you've chosen to work, whether it be through actually telling people physically that or posting things on social media or making offhanded remarks about your schedule that day or whatever it is, it's just become a matter of your worth. And if that is true, you will always struggle to find peace. You will never be able to find real rest when your worth is in your work. I mean, you'll tell yourself, that you can rest when your kids are out of the house or this particular project or these particular projects are done. You can tell yourself you can rest when you reach retirement or when you have X amount of dollars in the bank or when you can you know, um, lift X amount of weight or whatever your work has become when you reach a certain level. You can tell yourself that, but it'll never end because you couldn't let your worth suffer. It's a worth issue. You can't rest because your worth is tied to your work. Jesus um, lived in a day and age um, when uh, this this was pretty prevalent. He did his ministry in a culture where your work was everything. And for most people, regardless of what job they had in the Jewish culture at that time, their work was their religion. Jewish religion was, well, everything. And there are parts of uh, Judaism today, even Christianity today, where that is true. But Judaism had become essentially very unhealthy. It had come to the point which we call legalism, where you had to do a certain number of things a certain, at a certain time, at a certain point of the day, and all these little things, not because you believed it necessarily, because it transformed you, but because you just didn't want to be less valued to the people around you. 
The worth in your social community was entirely dependent on what you were doing. If you were learning the right things, memorizing the right things, behaving in the right way, it pretty much became a part-time job being a good Jewish person. And so into this world, Jesus comes. Into this culture, Jesus comes, which in some ways is not very unlike our own. And he says this. He says, all things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows the son, me, Jesus, except the father. And no one knows the father except the son. And those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Translation, when I, Jesus, say something... When I, Jesus, do something, it's like God is saying it. It's as if God was doing it. If you want to know what God thinks about when God thinks about something, ask or look at what Jesus did or said on that particular topic. That's what he's saying. He's saying, if you want to know God, then get to know me because I am essentially the window into God. I am, in part, God. And he says all this to set himself up for the next few verses, which are really rich, and we could spend a lot of time unpacking them, but for today, we're simply going to focus on one layer of what he's about to say and how this connects to our worth and our work. Here's what he says to all the Jewish tired of, of their religion, burdened by their religion and the work that they had to do because it was so tied to their worth and their lives and their community and what they believed about God. And here's what he said. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. So if you're weary, if you're burdened, you're supposed to come to Jesus and I will give you rest. If you're tired and weary, you're not resting well. And part of that probably has to do with the fact that you're not going through life how you were intended to go through it. And Jesus is saying, if you come to me, I will restore you. I will bring you back. I will bring you back to the beginning. He's connecting us to essentially where we were at the very beginning of the series when we talked about the garden and and that Genesis beginning of creation kind of story. Um, Jesus is saying, I'm going to bring you back to this narrative because in that narrative, there was no weariness. There was no burden. It was just peace. We talked about the word shalom, God's peace. It was just everything was made right. You were going through life as it was meant to be. Because you can't change a broken world now. You can try to do good things. You can try to bring light into it. But it is overall a broken world. So how do you bring that light? Well, you follow Jesus. You take our cues from Jesus. You find your motivation, your drive from Jesus. And when you do, you begin to rest. How? Well, he explains it. He says, Take my yoke, essentially a yoke being the thing that they'd put over oxen, and then the oxen would carry the cart. So it was this idea that you were hitching yourself up to God or Jesus's cart, okay? So take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And at first you're thinking, well, that sounds uncomfortable to have a yoke on your shoulder and carrying Jesus's cart. He says, no, 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 for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. The kind of rest I'm bringing for you is not necessarily physical rest or emotional rest, though you need that and you can find that, but I'm going the next layer deeper. I'm going to give you rest for your 
soul. And some of you know what that's like to just, in your soul, you are just tired. You're worn out. You're lost. You're burdened. And you need some rest, some deep, deep rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How do we know? How do we learn? How do we experience rest, the Jesus kind of rest? Well, we learn from him. We learn from me, he said. Because let's be fair, most of us are taking our cues. We're learning from all the wrong places. We learn rest from politics. We learn rest from gurus and TV show hosts and social media and social media posts. And, and that's where we try to take our cue for finding rest. If we just got this one app, it would change how we went to sleep. If we just did these one things and ate this one thing or not eat this one thing, we would rest better. And some of those things have some truth to it, but ultimately we're not getting at the heart of the problem. We're not getting at the heart of the problem. And listen, if you want to follow, you know, someone who has a lot of followers, you know, like it is on social media, um, then follow the person who has the most followers in the world today. And that is Jesus. I'm not sure of anyone I can think of who has a greater following than Jesus today at two plus billion followers today. He has the most followers and he wants to bring you rest. And how is he going to bring you rest? Well, a couple of ways, but primarily this one. And that is that Jesus shows you your worth. Because think about this. If you didn't have to question your value, how much you're worth, how important you are, if your worth was set and it didn't change based on how you felt that morning, what your boss said about you, how good the work you got done that week at your job was, or what your coworkers did, or how well things went, if it was just set, would you feel so much pressure to earn it? Earn it through things like whatever has become your work? Don't you think if your worth was set, you could experience peace? You could be at rest because you know, whether I do this or how it gets done or what exactly happens, I know my value is set. Don't you think if that variable didn't have to change, if it was just a set fixed amount, you could experience some more peace? You didn't have to be chasing after that New York City life per se. I want to read to you what what God said about your worth and how valuable you are and how Jesus plays into this. It's a verse some of you know pretty well. For God so loved the world. How much did he love you? He loved you. And in fact, he loved the world. That he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whomever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. How much are you worth? Your worth that God gave his own son. Why? Because he loved you. In fact, he loved the whole world. Think about what something would have to be worth for you to sacrifice your own child. It's hard to comprehend, but, but how much would something have to be worth to you to sacrifice your own child? God looked at that equation and said, You are worth enough to me that I will sacrifice my own child. And you don't have to do a thing for it. 
Worth wasn't earned. In Christianity, you don't have to earn your worth. Worth is given. Worth is not earned. It is given. That is one of the most profound parts of Christianity that's really unique among world religions is this idea that you don't have to do anything to get it. It's given by grace alone. You don't have to work to find your worth to God. You're just worth it, period. All you have to do is believe it. All you have to do is put faith in it. All you have to do is let it sink in here and here. Let it transform in here. You will struggle to find rest for your soul, as Jesus said. You will struggle to find rest for your soul without the truth that Jesus brought, the truth that Jesus was, the truth that Jesus showed us how much we are worth it to our Father in heaven. You'll keep fighting without it to matter. You'll keep fighting for purpose and you'll keep fighting for security and peace and significance. You'll keep fighting to be the New York City. When to God, you've been New York City the whole time. Not because of anything you did, but because you were God's creation. Because God so loved you. And he paid an incredible price to be with you to right the wrong which was broken, and for you to walk away knowing your incredible worth to him. If you believe it, if you put faith in it, it will transform you. He created you to work, and he created you to rest. We talked about that. But neither of them have to do with your worth. You can still work hard, too. I'm not, this is not an excuse to not do right by the job and career path you've chosen. You can still be a great employee. You can, hard, you can be a hard worker. You can be a great parent and become a great parent and strive to be a great parent. You can be a great student, a great child, friend, spouse, church attender, wealthy or poor. It doesn't matter. Your worth is set. None of that is tied to your value and you shouldn't let it tie it to your value. You can still, I think, I think New York City could still have existed today as well as known, as well as being known by a city that rests too, a city that knows peace. But that's just not a familiar concept. To us in our American culture, they're kind of the antithesis of each other. They're kind of opposed. How can you, you know, find peace and also work hard? Because your work has nothing to do with the peace that's possible in your life. That's not how God designed it. That's not how it was from the beginning. And until we let that sink in and impact our worth, we will always struggle. Always struggle. Value is set by the one who created you. Worth is not earned. It's given by the one who created you. You can find rest. You can find rest because your worth is not earned, it's given. Life is complicated. Life is hard. But you can find rest when you learn what Jesus said about you. What Jesus lived and died for you. 
when you put your faith in that, in him, in that truth, that's when you'll learn this idea that you can find rest because your worth is not earned. It's given. You're a worthy parent, really regardless of how you parent. But you can find peace. You can become a better parent simply because you decided to become a better parent. Not because how your children achieved or didn't impacted your worth. You've met parents who have linked their worth to their children, haven't you? And it's not very healthy. You've met people who have linked their worth to their jobs and you see it and it burns them. And it may have burned you too because your relationship with that person and it's not worth it, is it? It's not worth it to chase working for your bank account. You'll never find peace. There'll never be enough. Time to find worth where it was intended, where you were created to find it in your heavenly father's arms. The world and other people, my friends, will continue to try to change that. They'll, they'll slowly, and, and not always intentionally really, but they'll, they'll force you to try to link your worth and your work together. You'll feel judged if you don't. You'll try to, you'll feel convinced, you'll try to, other people will try to convince you otherwise. It's just not true. Your worth is set. You don't have to work to earn that. You'll find that. If you read your Bible, if you let Jesus' teaching inform you, teach you, and you trust it, you put faith in it, it will. We're going to hopefully in a few weeks um, maybe launch a, another small group or two online. Get in a small group. You have the opportunity to do that. And in that group, you have the opportunity to grow in Christ's truths. Whether you agree or disagree, you have a chance in that setting to dialogue on difficult things concepts like this. You have an opportunity to let other people speak into your life of whether or not you really are putting your um, worth in the eyes of your coworkers, in the eyes of your family, or are you putting your worth in the hands of your heavenly father? If you do, and I think part of you knows this because this, this is just truth. This is a life truth. This is how God created us to exist. And the truth is, Peace and rest will be found when your worth and your value and your identity is found in him. So as we wrap up today, here's a couple of discussion questions for you not to have necessarily alone. Really prefer you to call somebody up, preferably somebody maybe you trust or you know or have this discussion in your small group or maybe if you have people watching with you, talk about it with them as well. But here's some questions for you. Number one, this is two-parter because I have some accountability built into this question. Where do you find your worth and would others agree? Okay, this is a chance for you to ask for some additional input because People will be probably honest with you, and they probably, especially if they watch today's message, will get an idea of where we're going with this. So do what other people agree on, on where you find your worth. And number two, what do you think about finding your worth in God alone? Key word, God alone. Is it good? Is it bad? You don't want to do it. You're not doing it right now. You're still trying to figure it out. Let's just be honest. Have an honest conversation because if you can't be honest, it's very difficult to move forward. So let's be honest. Where are you with question number two and have a conversation about it. Okay. And then next week, we're going to wrap up um, this series on rest and it's going to be super, super practical. So if you're looking for some really, really practical tips and value add of how you can find rest, especially in the 21st century, we're going to be talking about that next week. You, it'll be a really rich time together. So I 
look forward to that. In, in the meantime, though, let's bow our heads and let's pray uh, together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you uh, for your son. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the opportunity that we have a chance not to find our worth in the world around us, but in the Father above us. That you set our worth from the beginning. And though things have broken down and fallen apart and sin has entered the world, that your son came, you sent your son to come, to teach us, to show us, to model us, to give us a path to follow, but also to show us our worth, how much we mean to you and how that is a value fixed, not changed. And that we can go through life experiencing peace because it doesn't matter what else is happening in the world around us, a broken world around us, but it's in who we put our faith in that matters, where we trust in the words that you've given us to trust in. Lord, help each and every one of us watching today online or maybe checking this out later. Lord, help us to sink into that truth, to lean into that reality and let it change our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.